0: There's a letter just to promote many, many things for sure, and I'm not going to exhaust them, so you get in and you see all that God has preserved for you to read today, but let me just suggest to you that the the content of Philippians is to promote a unity, an already decided unity around God and his gospel, and the outcome, the product of that is an incredible joy that is unmatched by anything. Now now think with me for just a minute. When you consider the idea of joy, what has really given you joy recently maybe it was that cup of coffee and that Hershey's kiss. And those can be delightful. And by the way, those are affectionately called vitamins in my world. But when you, when you think about what gives you joy on a regular basis, it can be a cup of coffee, and there's nothing wrong with being glad for a cup of coffee in the morning. And that could be especially appreciated by the spouse who wants you to wake up a little bit. But, but think about the things that bring you joy. There are a lot of things. I'm very glad that there is a roof over our head that prevented six inches of snow from falling on us. I'm very appreciative of a furnace that's working. You're more appreciative when they go out. It's quite cold. There's lots of temporal things that are very, we're very glad for. But in the church... What is it that brings us joy? Hey, I'm looking for the restrooms to be finished, some plumbing to be done. We all are, right? We all want the aesthetics to come together, and Josh and the team have done a fabulous job, and there's still work being done. There are nice things within the church house that we appreciate and look forward to. But the joy that must unite us and keep us together has got to be who we are in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I would even say the work of the church, the gospel. And when that is taking place, I really do believe that whatever personal squabbles exist within the church can easily be forgotten. Because there's a greater purpose in our lives. I have been in the churches. I have heard the stories. The color of the carpet separates many people. The furnishings that are there the arguments, the one-ups, seeing someone getting slighted, not being recognized. But when Jesus is the most important reason in our life, the very one who united us, the, all the differences that we have to bring to the table, the one thing that keeps us together, without a shadow of a doubt, is the significance of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, that everything else falls aside. Philippians, A wonderful letter for us to give attention to. But let's, let's think about how Paul starts at a letter like this. I'm going to get, look at two major points in this first part of the letter that reveal the joy that Paul and the church had that can be true of us as well. A right recognition of people and a right prayer life. The right recognition of people... In a right prayer life. People is what we see in the introduction. Verse one, Paul, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. In the Lord Jesus Christ. From these two verses, we see the significance of the place of people in the church. Now, some of you are saying, Oh, it's just another introduction, Keith. Can we just move on? Now, when Pastor Matt gave me the privilege of, of serving this morning, I knew exactly what I was gonna be studying, looking at it with you, and encouraging you with Miss Philippians because I had started a study. And I just needed a little kick in the pants to get past where I was at, because I could not get past Paul and Timothy Dulos. I couldn't get past this reality. These people that are writing this letter, primarily Paul, the writer of this letter. And why? Because it's such a significant reality. Paul identifies three people groups, if you will, here. First, himself, along with Timothy, as as bondservants then the church, and then God. Three, if you will, we will say groups of people that we want to see here. And I think it will make a difference as we think about the church and the position that these people have. In fact, I'd say it changes everything in our lives. We recognize some of the realities in this introduction it is more than just an introduction. It is typical to, to Paul's letters and even to the day in which Paul wrote. But I think that when we look at this, we are kind of find a little bit of a challenge and encouragement at the same time. And maybe even a promotion of how to be in the future. So then, Paul and Timothy, bondservants. Bondservants of Christ Jesus. Now, we know, probably if you look at the various translations in this room, some of you have bondservants. A raise of hand for bond servant. You have a translation, bond servant. Okay, anybody else have their translation of a servant? Okay, anybody have a translation of slave? A couple of them, okay. Okay, now, slave in our day, tough topic, right? Come on, let's be honest tough topic, slavery, critical race theory, separation, all right? Based upon skin color. By the way, I'm parents, um, I teach the tweeners class. The tweeners class, the affectionately called tweeners class, that's junior high age. And we also are doing a Sunday school hour teaching on critical race theory. We started out speaking about um, seeking unity, the biblical view of people being united. What are the differences? What keeps us separated? And we went to Genesis chapter 1. And we read about the creation of man. God choosing to make man in his own image. And I asked the children, I said, Can you, after we read the passage, can you help me understand what color eyes Adam had? Size foot he had? Color skin he had? Guess what we couldn't find? Nada. Didn't have it there. When we look at what is it that divides people, it is opinions we have of one another, certainly, and oftentimes it's how we view one another. I'm better than you. It's true. In our class, we talk about the we 're talking about what it is though that brings us together rather than separates us, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the embracing of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior CRT come to the, to the Sunday morning hour and learn more and have that discussion. but this is a hard word these days. Note here. Paul and Timothy. Now, Paul is the writer. Timothy is a close companion, obviously, a son of his in the faith. He came to to Christ um, to some extent through Paul's ministry and grew there and became a servant, a missionary along with Paul, an entrusted one in which uh, Paul traveled with and in which the Philippian churches. Knew very well, and so Paul, though being the primary writer, but knowing uh, they, they would be aware of Timothy, includes him as he's uh, likely having some togetherness in the reality of their relationship with the church. But but they he refers to themselves as bond servants, slaves, servants—a willful title, a desired title, a recognition of any slave is there and subject to the one who is superior to them. In any culture, in any time, there's always been this reality of subservience, of one way or another. Some of you go to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Am I right? Some of you? And you consider yourself sometimes a slave to whoever is writing the paycheck, right? That is, an, that is definitely an under-reality. It doesn't compare to what the world has known throughout its existence of slavery, Now, I'm not going to get to the the degree. That's why we've been given a Sunday school hour to it. But the reality is, in Paul's mind, he had a privileged position to be a, a servant to the church, a bondservant of God, a willful choice to be under the superiority of Christ. This is what it meant to Paul. In fact, some people have said that the reality of a bondservant in this understanding here is a willful su- submission to a subservience to one who is greater, a will, a want to. And, and it said in, in the ancient East that, that this choice for a slave would be made and that when the, the service was, was finished or through, or when the opportunity for freedom was given, that the servant would choose to stay because of the significance of the master to whom they've been subject to. And so they would, they would put an awl to the ear, and they would drive it through, and they'd be marked as being forever indentured to their master. This was the understandable reality for Paul. He knew to whom he belonged, and he desired to stay there and be marked. And Paul would say he continued to carry out the abuse of Christ in his body. and He would bear the marks of Christ upon his body, that it wouldn't be limited to an ear, but it would cover his whole cell. This is the the place in which he saw himself. He was was a servant, a slave to Christ. That's why he could do all the very things that he would do as we read about him throughout the New Testament. He was a bondservant, but of Christ Jesus, which made him the best for the church. Paul didn't need to be a servant or slave to the church because that wouldn't be effective enough. Because when we subject ourselves to one another, as soon as you let me down, I may choose to stop serving. But when your service is always given to one greater, and the one to whom all good things come, and all purpose is given, you're never let down. I I, I know that has weight to it. Hold it, though. I understand. Some of you are going, wait, 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 wait. My life's not perfect. Perfect. I understand that. But when you put it in the place of the gospel, God has you exactly where he wants you. If you see through the lenses of God's purposes for your life, remember that not all of life is meant to bring you temporal happiness, but the joy in serving Jesus is long-lasting and eternal because our perspective is beyond the temporal And into the future. Because that's what Paul would say in other places. Because he always viewed life in eternal perspective from the resurrected standpoint. And he would say, in other words, in other places, in defending his position of the resurrection, if there is no resurrection, we are to be pitied amongst all men. And why would he say that? Because he had given his life to God and he was dying daily for the gospel's sake. And if it meant temporal, temporal satisfaction for him and happiness, then, then life was, was worthless. But because he saw through the, 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 the framework, the lenses of eternity, that God was yet to build his kingdom, and it was not yet, he could invest his life, even die for the church. Elsewhere, in the same chapter, Paul says, it's better for me right, to die and go into heaven But better for you that I stay and pour myself out, he would say later on, as a drink offering for your sake because it's worth it. It has eternal value. So it was, we have to remember in the biblical sense of satisfaction in life, it's always knowing that we're under the command of our master. Paul knew What his life was called to. And you can reference that in in Acts as he's called to to serve. And he would suffer. His life was a life that's called to suffering for the gospel's sake. So I I just want to bring out this person, these people who were servants. The church can actually be filled with great joy when it's full of, what do you think? Servants, slaves to Christ. When I come wanting to be served, guess what? Forget it. You have just elevated yourself. I have just elevated myself over Christ, who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Oh, wait, how much service? How much service did Jesus say? and to give my life as a ransom. What ransom was that? Well, Paul says in chapter two, unto death. When the church dies to herself, she lives to God. We need to be a, a slave, an enslaved people. We should identify well with the term our Christian growth is often measured by how much we're dying and living for Christ and his church. Paul was a dying man and he was able to do it because he knew the eternal life that came through his servitude. People, people, in the church, who see that their servants, slaves for God, are spiritually strong, vibrant, living people. Paul and Timothy bond servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, Okay, so like when I first realized that as a Christian, hi guys, that that I was I was um, I'm sorry, I just saw you. Um, listen, so seriously, guys, when I realized that God called me a saint, I was like, no way. Do you know what it's like when you um, when you find out that people know you and like you? You know what I'm talking about? You know that feeling? where, like, I'm a part. We're like, I belong. Like being here, you know. I love this church. I'm not perfect to you. I'm trying to be better. I got a long way to go, but you know, some of you even say hi to me. I'm just kidding. You shake my hand. You know, you smile at me. You know, I'm 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 a part of you. You're a part of me. And there's isn't there a nicety about that? Most of you that I talk to, you really like being here because you like one another despite our warts and gray hairs. and My wife is always saying, you got another gray hair here and there. I'm like, what's up with that? I guess she knows me. But when we know each other, we we know the different characteristics and traits, and and, and there's some beauty about that reality. God knows me. He knows his church. He knew the church of Philippi. He had to die for them like he died for me and you, and, and he calls them. Saints, holy ones, agias. It's the separated unto God people. Have you ever thought about the reality of how God refers to you as a saint? Look, Look, we don't take a vote vote on your saintliness. I'd fail. You'd fail. By the way, one of the things I, I told you I was going to not follow my notes, right? One of, the, one of the things, I don't just want you to maybe be intrigued by the introduction to Philippians and read it. I want you to ask yourself a question right now. Because one of the purposes to look at this passage today is to ask yourself, Are you a saint? Are you a holy one separated into God? The the passage says, the passage says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, so I'm not talking about saint, like if we could compare you next to the person you're sitting next to. Because you, you know who you're sitting next to. You don't even have to glance at them and you're like, I'm better than them. Right? Yeah, I'm better than them. So I could probably, uh, if we were going to take a vote, I could probably be better than them. Maybe I'd be more saintly than them. If you think about, you know, compared to other people, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So I guess I'd be considered a saint. Yeah, Keith, I, I, I'm, I'm there. Or, or maybe you go the humble route and you say, no, I don't deserve it. But I think when I get there, God's going to be good enough to, you know, if I stand before him, if I die, you know, I I probably, I, you know, God's good. You know, I'm, I'm not good, but he'll let. Okay, so the saints, the, the address here, saints in Christ Jesus, the in reality here, famous often stated in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. This reality, what Paul sets up throughout this letter and all of his writings is this significant reality of, of, of to whom we have our existence. I, I love this. Believers are united with, Christian, with, with Christ in his death, in his death and his resurrection. And the, the new corporate life into which they have entered is their, their share in his resurrection life. This points to to Christ Jesus as the the sphere in which the Christians live and move. So saints are in this sphere, this reality, this the significance of Christ. He's their world, he's their everything. He's their their savior. He's their celebration. He, He saved you because you realize you're dead in your trespasses and sins. He saved you because you, you you cry out to God and say, forgive me, God. You've got a holy way of living and I've broken that. You're God and I rejected you. Forgive me. Own me. Jesus paid it all. I want to be in his life. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended on the right hand of the throne of the Father. And I believe He's a living testimony of an in-my-place savior. You may not understand all that, but that's what you believe, you attest to that. And so as a result of a belief transferred from yourself to sin before God or just that you know that you're not good, but a reality that you are solely indebted to God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he, he owns you. You're coming to understand that more, but your full faith rests on what he's done in the past. Is that you this morning? Has Jesus saved you from the wrath of God because of your sin? Is it true about you? Are you a holy one that God has picked up and said, this is mine? Is that you? Please say yes. I beg you. To whatever extent you know that to be true, say, I believe God, and start to f- figure this out. Know God and be separated from Him. This so idea, too, is not only will you be saved from your sin, but the idea of, of, of holy, of, of one who is of God, dedicated as a holy one, is the reality that He's been, he's, He holds you to His perfect purposes. Paul writes elsewhere to the Ephesians that if by grace, faith you've been saved not of yourselves as gift of God right what does he say about this whole this whole thing next you were what created for what for good works which God has prepared in advance get this for you to do (laughs) to do we are and then we do boom I am not just separate like okay now I'm a Christian that's great Now what? Got the ingredients in the cabinet. Got all the things we need for the recipe. Make the dinner. Eat the chicken. The point is, is that you have everything being drawn to God to be, get this, everything that he made for you to be since the foundation of the world. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got, uh, Keith decided he wants to be a Christian now. Um, I got to think of something good for him to do. No, he know me, knew me, chose me, and has something for me to do, and it's an action-oriented relationship. Boom. Think about it. If you're sad about your station in life, remember this very fact, if we don't get any further this morning, that God has set you apart in Christ Jesus for good works. You are a saint in Christ Jesus. Boom. Purpose. You want to be driven this morning? Be driven by that reality. And and have your mind, your scope set on doing the things that God says in black and white. And all the other details work themselves out. You'll be amazed on your desires changing once you submit to the black and whites. It's amazing. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just excited about this. And I knew I wouldn't get very far in this sermon. But um, maybe I'll be asked to come back again. I don't know. We'll see. Um, to Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus. I just can't get over that. Now, they're in Philippi, modern-day Turkey. This is um, across the Sea, kind of kind of um, northwest, if you will, um, from um, Jerusalem. It is um, a church which um, Paul knew well, having uh, started and ministering with it. Um, visited many times on his missionary journeys, and um, he, he's not just content with, you know, this letter being that which the, the church general understands, because there's no already directives in this that the, the overseers and the deacons need to keep in mind, the pastors, the, the deacons need to keep in mind. And what we see in there is, is the united reality, which Paul writes, he wants everybody to get it, everybody. It's like he just keeps throwing these lassos out, and he keeps saying, you'll see it, all of you, all of you, all of you. So everybody listen up. And here's what's great about this church, that that the leadership does not separate itself from you. Let me just give you a real clear indication of that, and I'm going to maybe be, maybe this is wrong. Well, it's not wrong. I wouldn't do it, but where's Pastor Chris sitting right now? Where's Pastor Chris? Wave your hand. He's over here. He's amongst you not separate from you. The distance between pew and pulpit is short. Can I get a hearty amen for that? We don't need a distance between us. We need a commonality. And do you know what our commonality is, guys? It's Christ, right? I'm a learner. I'm a servant. And we're in this together. With people like that working together, how can we go wrong? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think what, what Paul is communicating, this is, this is my hopefully sanctified imagination, that he's just really saying, okay, everybody's got to pay attention to this as I write, as I read, as I talk to you, all right? And so so Paul and, and Timothy, servants of Christ, what, am I, what time am I supposed to be doing, Pastor Chris? I, I always pray, I just listen until I told you to go, but right now, all right, all right. seriously, when I come, I just, when they say amen and Dale says, go, then I go. And I've chased my kids all over the place. Um, don't hold it against me. Um, so, so here, he, he also brings out a really big point in verse 2. So we've seen people. We've seen servants. We, we've seen saints. Now. Now. The people... The powerful people of verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we did a word search, I said circle the powerful people in this verse, you would be dutiful Sunday school students to circle, right? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is from which, this is, this is tr- the source of grace and, and, and peace, Right? Uh, Paul, Paul, when he's writing this letter, it is a common opening theme, but there is no commonality to grace and peace, which we should go whole hum about. I mean, grace and peace originate in God. You know what grace is, right? You're getting what you don't deserve, right? It's it's I. Get the goodness of God. I didn't earn that. I didn't get that. That's, not a, that's not something that I had coming to me because I'm just that kind of a guy. If I got coming to me what I deserve, y'all would be like way far away, right? Lightning bolts have a lot of energy. You wouldn't want to be too close to me. Somebody say they're glad for grace this morning. Now, Let's be careful. All good things come from God. I know that. But God's grace is not wrapped up into a dress, a job, a spouse. Now, those, those are grace gifts from God. I get it. But I think when, when grace is spoken about in, in, in the Word of God, think about the reality that that grace is a spiritual grace. Predominantly, all right, that gives us a proper perspective on our dress and our spouse and everything else, even our job, underneath that. Peace. Sometimes defining words are best done when we think about the opposite. I say chocolate, you say vanilla. I say I say snow, you say sun. Some people are working with me here. This is a hard start for the next one. So I say peace, you say, say war. Right now, there's a war. There's wars all over the place, but there's one that's being big-time broadcasted. We know that. And it doesn't matter all the background, and it doesn't matter for our conversation. It doesn't matter uh, who said what, who did what in the history. What it matters right now is there's war, and people are dying. People are running for their life. You left your house, but you plan on going back there tomorrow, I guess. I mean, t- not tomorrow, today. But they left their house, and they, don't, they won't see it again. They left their husband, and they won't see their husband again. It's huge. War. It's deadly. And as sad as the Russian-Ukrainian war right now or any other war going on that's not advertised, not promoted, take that for what it's worth. There's a greater war going on that's never ceased. And it started in Genesis chapter 3. And it's deadly because it's divisive. It separates God and man. And the only way to make that up, it was the person and work of Christ. The one mediator between God and man. As I said before, are you a saint this morning? It's not because of your saintliness. It's because of that one man. The person and work of Christ that the person of God sent and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased and why was he so well pleased? Because he came, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, love Philippians chapter 2, God, Jesus, who did not consider equality with the Father, God, to remain, did not. Grasp onto that position, but let go of the high and and, and venerable place, but came down and wrapped himself in flesh and had it pierced for your sake, saints, so that you would have a right relationship with God and you would not have your sins accounted to you. Proper understanding of these roles of these people in the Church of Sovereign Grace Chapel will keep her full, full, overflowing in abundance in joy. One pastor, put it this way, and we'll, we'll close with this, and you're never supposed to say that as a pastor because everybody shuts their ears and shuts their Bible, but you've not done that yet. One pastor put it this way. It's real simplistic. You have simple people here. I'm a simple person. Sometimes too complex. Here's simple. Joy. See it with me, vertically written, in an acronym, with this understanding. J, what do you suppose J stands for? Jesus. 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 Y, two spaces down, stands for y'all. The zero in the middle. The O stands for nothing between us and Jesus. If there is nothing that we let come between us and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I believe he's right. We'll be full of joy. Paul goes on to state that he was so blessed by the church, full of joy, because they embraced the person and even his work and even the ongoing work that he commissioned the church with, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was so thrilled with their embracing of him and the purposes that they had that he was full of joy. He knew that the church loved one another, but they would continue, need to continue to love one another and they would do that with their priorities right as they had it to that point. Folks, we can not let anything come between us and our Lord in his great work. We will battle one another when we forget to whom we belong and what he has told us to do. If you want to have joy, and keep joy, and have joy abound, keep the charge in mind. Keep Jesus where he belongs in all of our lives. Let's pray together.